Welcome to the Sword and Staff. I'm one of your hosts, Josh Robinson, and joining me today, as always, is my co-host. Richie Brock. And on today's episode, we have a very special episode to bring to you guys. It is our first ever interview that we have done as a tag team. <laughs> We've right. never, back in the day, whenever we first started the podcast up, and it was just me. I did a few interviews here and there, but that's been years ago now. So now we're doing our first proper interview together and we're doing it with our friend ward honey ward tell the people about yourself and tell them about dark holler hey guys yeah uh so my name is ward honey and um i guess uh i have a bit of a background i work in video production um and i've got a background working in like investigative journalism a little bit and documentary filmmaking and um so dark holler and we'll get into how it came to be i guess but um it was kind of uh well it it started with a story that um that you told me josh an experience that you had and uh i had just kind of acquired um some video equipment to do freelance work with and i thought this will make a fun like 10 minute youtube feature yeah and uh here we are a year later and it's uh like five or six 45 minute episodes now so um <laughs> YouTube the, video to, to docuseries yeah so we i mean just i guess kind of pulled on a thread and um a lot of stuff came with it yeah yeah i think that that's good yeah that's for me that's kind of been the experience for me too like it for me, and we'll get into this more, it started off as like a single event. And then like whenever the event happened, there was just tons and tons of stuff that followed the event that I just had no clue like about prior to that. And so <clears throat> like literally like in in Dark Holler, it's like as you're going and you're doing your work, I'm learning a lot of the things that you're learning about like in real time like these aren't things that i knew about prior so yeah it's really really interesting but yeah i think like so you know it was that that weird time um right before covid hit but and i don't i think you got we've talked about this before you guys were feeling kind of the same way but and i think a lot of people are where um there's a lot I, like the just the threshold for what you can say is crazy is been yeah. reset and um so i was like trying to figure out um what i thought about i don't know all of the strangeness paranormal ufos all of it and i think actually uh i can't remember richie i reached out to you before i knew that you were yeah. friends with josh yeah. or somehow yeah, we were in a conversation about uh, Ray Boucher and this, like, um, this was, I mean, <clears throat> it's kind of, like, benign at this point, but at the time, I was like, wait a second, there's there are people that think uh, aliens aren't necessarily from another planet, that we're talking about spiritual beings, um, and I started bouncing that idea off of you, Richie, I think, and then... Yeah. Um, I think it was after that point I asked you, you know, I had seen Hellier and I asked uh, 
I think Josh, I think I asked you because you're relatively close geographically to Eastern Kentucky. Yeah. Like, uh, have you ever experienced anything or seen anything? And uh, that's when you told me about the whole baptism experience. Yeah. Yeah, I remember where I was at when that conversation took place. I mean, I was standing in the middle of Walmart and Ward <laughs> messaged me about some of the size strange stuff and it just lined up with what Josh and I were talking about already. So that's when I created the the group chat and kind of threw us all in there. It's like, we've got to get together on this. Yeah. And well, that's right. That's yeah. I remember that now. Yeah. Well, so that's, that's probably a great way to get us started. Um, so let's talk about the events leading up to dark holler, uh, the filming of it, like kind of what it was that brought us all together. So you mentioned asking me if I had experienced any strangeness, and the answer was yes, I had experienced some strangeness and I had never really experienced much strangeness in my life. Well, at the time I didn't, I, I had, but I didn't have the categories uh, until a little bit you know, later on. But um, I had experienced some strangeness and it was with this girl named Kristen who is in Dark Holler, who people are gonna learn about more, right? And so let's, let's just kind of talk about Kristen's background a little bit and just kind of the event that led up to dark hour. Yeah, so at the time, I mean, when you told me the story, you told me what you knew, but I mean, we both yeah. went on to learn more about her history and her family and stuff. But at the time it was just, um, you know, she had uh, been into witchcraft of a pretty like eclectic sort yeah. and got, I don't think we even knew at the time she had gotten into like as far as she had into it. Um, and there was, you know, substance abuse issues uh, that followed after that. And then um, this event in the river. And that, that's pretty much all that I feel like all that we knew at the time really was. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's all, all. That's all that I knew. Like, so Kristen, for me, like I, I had been around her a time or two prior to the baptism. And it was whenever she was struggling with substance abuse and, um, you know, uh, Derek and, and Misty, which, you know, her, her sister and her brother-in-law, they, uh, you know, they had invited me to several family outings and stuff like that. I had done a funeral uh, for their family. And so I, I, I didn't really know Kristen, but I had been around her a time or two, you know, prior to the baptism. And like, I don't think that, like, we were even introduced to one another, you know, then. And, you know, she talks about later on in Dark Holler that it was kind of like an uncomfortable thing for her to be around Christians. And so, but yeah, I, that's that's all I knew about her at the time, too. And that mostly came through her sister, Misty, who's a member of our church for everybody who's listening don't know who Misty is. Um, but that, she, it was it basically like she would bring her prayer request to me and be like, hey, you know, pray for my sister she's struggling with an addiction problem and she's also struggling with witchcraft. Like she's engaging right. in witchcraft. Yeah. And so that's, you know, prior to the baptism, that's all that I knew about her. So. Yeah. Um, I think, and I mean, so just knowing that, I think I had planned to come down and uh, interview her Um about the, the baptism itself. And I know you had, so we had like an initial Zoom call to talk about it. And um, you had mentioned that you had been sort of like looking back into church history um, as far as 
liturgical practice and that kind of thing, and you had been coming across the, you know, Luther uh, maintaining the lesser rite of exorcism in yeah. baptism. Um, yeah. And the confluence of that, you know, your study in that way, and also this girl. So did you know, on the Sunday that she was baptized, did you get a sense of the urgency that um, her family talks about later? How they were like, we, she needs baptized like now? It was very strange for me, because, I, so I got the call from Misty. And Misty had been, she had went and talked with Kristen. And at the time, I, I had no clue of the the stuff that we learned later on in Dark Holler. Like, like I had no clue what had happened the night prior to that. Uh, I had no clue that her family had been over there and was sharing the gospel with her. All that I knew was that I, I knew that Misty had gotten a conversation with her and had the opportunity to share the gospel with her and that she was saying that she had professed faith. And so basically they were calling me like, Hey, she's professed faith. Like we want, she wants to be baptized right now. Like, yeah. and like, I remember being like kind of skeptical because I was like, what well, right now? Like, you know, it's Sunday evening. Like, it's like, you know, like seven o'clock getting close to seven o'clock or something like that. I'm like, ah, you know, I don't know. And then I'm like, you know, like we'll meet you at Madison park. I was like, Oh, well, all right then, you know, I don't have much else going on. So <laughs> I'll meet you. So I, so yeah, like I, I didn't quite get it then, but there was definitely a sense of urgency for sure. Like they weren't going to like, let me sit at home and not come and speak to her. So yeah, I, I looking back now, I, I can definitely see it. Yeah. So yeah. Like, um, you came to find out after when we came down to shoot uh, Kristen's interview. And I think I also got uh, Derek and Misty the same day. Mm -hmm. um, and they were talking about, I mean, the only reason I ended up coming back, I think was that Kristen ended up talking about her mom telling the story of her experiences the night or two before the baptism. Yeah. And uh, they were, pretty wild but if you're making a doc like if you're doing anything you can't have a person say like this person told me yeah. this you need to go hear from that person if you can yeah so i was like okay well we got to come back and talk to talk to heather for sure um so that i mean that was the whole reason for coming back like a month later two three weeks later maybe yeah um was to talk to heather about what happened the night before and um yeah i don't know how much uh detail you want to go into on that but um there's apparently just a lot of uh like noises and craziness um the stuff that i guess people would think of when they think of uh exorcism type things possession type things yeah. that kind of symptoms um presenting themselves and and uh, it, like voices not originating with Kristen as well which was interesting um so yeah um I guess we'll just so like a month later when we come back and I guess like during this intervening month I think we all had several conversations about um 
you know, is there a, you know, is there something more than just Kristen's experience that's tied into the story? Um, yeah. And I think I, we were also, at least I was in conversation with like Kristen and Misty and Derek on Facebook and stuff about it too. Um, and so I was starting, like I sort of had this uh, hint that there might be more, um, but I had no idea. Yeah. really until we got down there and, and talked to uh and talked to heather yeah i had no clue the depth of the more that you're talking about until until i was kind of with you guys on this but let's kind of back up a little bit before we get too much into that yeah um and let's just kind of talk about the initial the event itself so we've talked a little bit about Kristen's background what brought us together and we've we've referred to the baptism but we've not talked about in depth what happened at the baptism and so that's probably a good point to fill listeners in on and me being there firsthand uh definitely helps you know communicate it so so okay so i talked about uh getting a call from misty right who's this woman in our church her her husband is a at the time he's a deacon candidate i think um he's he's an elder candidate in our church now but um anyway so I get this call and I, it's about her sister, Kristen. And she says, I've shared the gospel with her. I think that she's professing faith. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's great. You know, praise God. And uh, she's like, yeah, she wants to be baptized like right now. I'm just like, uh, oh, um, well, all right. Uh, she's like, well, will you at least meet us at Madison Park and talk with her? You know, just, you know, have a conversation with her, you know, make sure, you know, that kind of thing. I was like, yeah, sure. So my wife and I, we load up, we go to Madison Park, and Madison Park's just about a block from where we're at right now. We actually still do baptisms there. We've always done baptisms there. Um, so I get there, and whenever I get there, like, her whole family is there. Like, I mean, it's just, it's wild. Um, so I get there, and I see her um, sitting on a bench about 50, uh, approximately 50 yards up from the river. Um, she's sitting there with her mom, I think her cousin uh, at the time, I can't remember, but uh, Misty was over there and they introduced me to Kristen. Like I said, I had been around her a time or two prior to that, but didn't really know her. And um, I just knew about her. I knew that she had dabbled in witchcraft. I knew that she had an addiction problem. I knew those things. But so basically what happened was me and another man who is an elder candidate at our church went and, and talked with her. And basically, I'm just, you know, asking her some questions. You know, I introduce myself. I'm, hey, I'm Pastor Josh. I'm Derek and Misty's pastor. You know, nice to meet you. You know, that whole thing. You know, I'm like, you know, I heard that you've come to believe in the gospel. And, you know, I just wanted to have a conversation with you about that. And so I'm asking, like, do you believe that, you know, Christ died for your sins and that he rose again? And, uh, and she's like, yeah, I, I believe that. And like at this time, I think Kristen was detoxing. Um, you know, which I think plays into some of the stuff that had went on the night before in some sense, um, not fully, but in some sense. And, um, and so she, she was very much not the same person at this point that she is today. If you would talk to her, like she was very, I don't know how I would describe it. Kind of just, it's kind of like the lights were home, were on, but nobody was home. Yeah. You know, she talks about, 
I don't know if you remember this like from her, yeah, very detached. Yeah, from her interview, she talks about um not remember like being in and out and the memories that she has of that whole experience at the river um is is very like fragmentary. Um that's yeah that's interesting how all that plays into it um and i forgot about that so thanks for for reminding me about that so um so you, you know we, we talk and she's like yeah i i believe that and so i'm like well you know i don't i don't see any reason why we shouldn't baptize you you know um you, you know, if you're you're believing in, in this then hey you know here's some water let's let's roll and yeah. so so we, we make our way down to the river, her, uh, myself, and the other man who's an elder candidate. And um, we get in the water. And I think that like right off the bat, whenever she steps into the water, she breaks her toe. Right. And like it, just this freak accident. Like I, I have baptized so many people in that river. We go kayaking in that river all the time. I've never seen anything like that ever. Yeah, and the the entry to the river is ex like it it's very gentle. Like it's the yeah. gentlest of boat ramps. Yeah, like I mean, it's it's like you know an inch deep water for a long way you know out. So anyway, so you know she doesn't like say anything to us like about it as we're walking out. But but anyway, um, that'll kind of come to play I think later on here. Um, so we walk out into the water. We walk about midways out into the river and we turn and we face the crowd. And I, I begin to address the crowd and, you know, I, I'm telling them what we're doing there. You know, there were people who weren't her family who were there, who were just kind of passing by because it's a park they're watching. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm introducing who I am to these people. I'm introducing her to these people while we're here. She's believed the gospel. Now we're going to baptize her. And so prior to actually, doing the baptism i said to her hey do you mind if i can if, if we pray for you she's like no absolutely and the reason here's the reason why i wanted to baptize or wanted to, why i wanted to pray for her again i knew a little bit about her didn't know a ton but i knew enough about her to think this if anybody here is oppressed by demons or something like that or by something demonic or is even possessed, it would be this girl. She's been dabbling, well, more than dabbling. Uh, she's she is engaged in 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 this you know, witchcraft, and she's also you know had an addiction problem. So she is like prime candidate, right, for to be <clears throat> afflicted or possessed by something demonic. So again, you had alluded to this, but at this time I had been researching through church history. One of the things that I had come across, and it's just in the providence of God, really, um, was that throughout church history, there was always a minor exorcism rite that accompanied baptisms. And then I found out that the Protestant reformer, Martin Luther, had retained those baptismal rites even on into the Reformation. And I'm like, well, that's interesting. You know, it's, you don't typically think of Luther as an exorcist, right? Right. Um, but he did. He, he did. He did an exorcism every time that he did a baptism. So, you know, I, so basically I had kind of familiarized myself with this somewhat. And so basically what I did was I prayed a, 
in my own words, version of what Luther would have prayed in his baptismal rites, along with the church for, you know, 1500 years uh, prior to this. And as soon, as soon as I prayed this prayer, she began to do all that I can recall or all that I can describe is a type of low grade shaking or vibration, something like that. Like it was just, you know, like this. And it hadn't been there prior. She hadn't done it prior to that. Like it was just on the spot as soon as I finished this prayer. And it startled me and it startled the other guy who was with us. So at this time, I, you know, I grab one arm, he grabs the other, and we're looking at the crowd and I begin the, the, the triune baptismal formula, you know, baptize you now in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And before I can get the Holy Spirit out, she actually begins to fall backwards into the river. And I said, so it's like, we baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son. She begins tipping backwards going. You can actually see it in the video, her kind of tipping, leaning very strangely. Um, and I say, Holy Spirit. And we just kind of go with the motion that she's already going with. And we, we dunk her in and then we bring her back out of the river. And whenever she comes out, she lets out... <laughs> It's a noise that like I, I'm never going to forget. Um, it just this piercing, just pained noise, like 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 a. I mean, it's like an animal that's been wounded or something. Like I, I don't know how to describe right. it other than that. And she makes that noise, and then there's this type of. I don't know if you've ever been like sick before. And like you've had like the flu and you're like throwing up and you've got to the point to where you've you've thrown up all that you can throw up. So you're kind of like dry heaving. There's nothing coming up. Like so after the noise, there's this type of like heaving like that, like a couple times. And then she's like this doing it. And then she just puts her face into her palms like this and just starts crying, just boohooing, crying. And listen, man, I've done a lot of baptisms. Okay. And I have seen a lot of different reactions. I've said this on several podcasts now. I've seen a lot of different reactions. I've seen people who are very stoic. They go in, they come out, not a lot of emotion. I've seen people who go in and they, you know, they, they're coming up shouting. I've seen people happy crying. But I have never seen somebody go into the water and come up and make a noise like a wounded animal and start boohoo crying like it actually was so startling to the man who was with us he if you go back and watch the video he actually takes a couple steps back from her and then so you know we she's she's crying i'm looking at the other man like we need we need to get her back to the river to the bank so we you know we grab her grab her arms we help her back to the river and you would think that you know, baptism, your family's there. Like, what would you think that you were going to do? You would think that you were going to go and celebrate, right? Right. The first thing that she does is she sits on the bank of the river and she, she takes her hands and she puts them like right here over her, like her ears. She sits down kind of like in a bunched up position and just starts rocking back and forth like, like this. I've still yet to this day, never seen anything like it. Okay. 
I mean, um, a lot of what you're describing is classic signs of possession. Yeah. So, you know, I, I tried to, I tried to look at this event like <clears throat> I didn't know what happened. Then that's how I tried to approach it. I tried to just kind of put it out of my mind, like immediately. I'm like, okay, here's what I think happened, but I'm not sure that's happened. So I just, yeah. Well, so anyway, we, you know, I say goodbye to the family. I get back to the car and my wife, who is, you know, been involved, you know, seen a lot of baptisms uh, that her husband has done, says to me, I'm going to be serious. She said, I'm dead serious. She said, you think a demon coming out of that girl is like how she said, I mean, she was half joking, but she was dead serious. You know what I mean? She was, she was, she was genuinely curious. And so I, I kind of told her, you know, what had happened. And she was like, you're kidding. You know, she was, you know, it's kind of shocking to her. And so I'm like, yeah, it's definitely odd. Um, so anyway, we get back home. And to make a long story short, I received three phone calls that day from people who were there at that event, who were watching, who I didn't talk to afterwards, and share thoughts with. I, I said goodbye to the family. I left immediately. I didn't share any thoughts or conclusions with anybody. And all three of the people who called me that day came to the exact same conclusion. One of her best friends who is in the film, she asked me, she called me, asked me, do you think that a demon came out of her in this baptism? Her sister, Misty, called me with her husband and she's like, this is my sister. I know her. She's not the type of person to do something like this. What happened? And then later on at about 11 o'clock that night, midnight, somewhere around there, I talked to the other man who, I was, who helped me in this baptism. And I asked him, I said, what did you think about today? He said, you know, I felt like that we shared the gospel with her as good as we as best as we could, you know, in the time that we had. I was like, no, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not, I'm convinced that we did that well. I was like, but what, what did you think about the event, the baptism? He said, this man's very skeptical. Um, he came out of a very charismatic tradition and, you know, he kind of swung yeah. really hard to the yeah. other side of the pendulum. Uh, he said to me, so I'm going to be honest with you. I thought for a minute that whenever she came out of the water, that there was something came out of her. It's like, I've never seen anything like that before. And so, and so we were talking, I was like, well, I was like, just so you know, I was like the prayer that I prayed before this was actually a traditional, you know, exorcism prayer that had been seen, you know, said in, in baptisms, you know, for 1500 years of the church, you know, right. I was like, and actually I, you know, so we had the whole conversation about Luther and he, you know, it was shocking for him that that was what he, you know, he experienced. So, you know, I was trying my best to not call it that, you know, um, but then it's, I ended up in a position to where I have multiple people calling me who witnessed this and they're coming to me, asking me if this is what happened, drawing this conclusion themselves. And then that's not to mention, you know, whenever I, I speak with Kristen again, she actually confirms that herself. So after that point, I was comfortable in saying that that's what happened in this event, but that's, that is the event that leads up to dark holler. This was the conversation that you and I had that, that kind of yeah. led to this. Yeah. Um, and then when we, you know, I come down, uh, I think it was the beginning of October um, and interviewed Kristen. Some of the things that she's saying 
like again her her memory is fragmentary um around that event which come to find out is a thing that is fairly common in possession cases is uh they'll feel as if there's like an out-of-body experience going on or just completely like lost time yeah um but the things that she does remember like uh her foot being broken she correlates that with a feeling of being pulled back uh from you guys as you're going out to the river um she also uh bef even before she starts to go under early um her posture does like she uh, puts her shoulders behind her hips and her hips behind her heels is what it yeah. looks like. Yeah. Uh, which is an awkward way to stand. If yeah. you haven't done it, try it. And uh, you guys are like kind of holding her up, I guess. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that she said about that when the moment that she goes down is she thought uh, that she was not going to come back up. Yeah. Um, and one of the things I just noticed, I haven't even talked to you guys about this. I just noticed this like a couple of weeks ago when I was looking back at that video. Um, it looks as if it's a bit of a struggle to get her back upright. Um, yeah, it was. Out. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, you know, a person is heavier when they're wet and stuff, but it looks like it's a bit of a struggle to get her to stand back up. Um but anyway, the, the things that she remembers, uh, you know, correlate to your experience of it directly. But from her perspective, um, it seems like she perceives that there's more going on there um, than like per se just being tripped or uh, yeah. kicking, a, kicking a rock on the way out. Yeah. Yeah. That's and for me, that was kind of shocking hearing her perspective on the story because it made sense of things to me that seemed just odd you know what I mean and I, at the time I had no answers for any of them but whenever she gave her perspective on I was like wow like there was something there was a battle in some ways going on on here and so you know I, I think that, that leads us to our our next point of conversation was okay so this event happened we connected you wanted to come down here and and talk like talk about this and you know, look at it and, and investigate it. Um, so what are some of the things that we found out as we're, as Dark Holler is happening and, and we're kind of figuring this out? Like, was this something that was just unique to her or were there, you know, uh, was this something that happened, you know, something that had been happening in her family for a significant amount of time? Just like, yeah. Was was she the only person experiencing high strangeness, and or you know, what some of the things that we figured out? Yeah. So, um, again, like I'm sure, like Richie, you have a, a background in legitimate investigation. So, what I'm doing is like showing up with a camera to try and tell a story initially, and then kind of fumbling my way through, bouncing stuff off of you as I go. Um, to you know try not to do anything terribly dumb but um i think one of the the big things for me that uh that kicked it into like there's because okay the personal stories of the people there that's one thing right your story you know i i knew you before and so to me you're credible 
I don't know any of these other people, but everyone's personal story is one thing. And then I think it was after I got back from shooting the interview with Kristen, um, I get a hold of the cell phone video, um, or a couple of them. One of them shot by Kristen's cousin and one by Misty. And um, at least one of them has audio. And so I'm trying to turn up, uh, I was listening to it one evening, um, trying to figure out what it was that you said in the river, what the prayer was. I wanted to be able to hear it. And so I had it turned up and the cell phone like held to my ear. And um, there's like, on the cell phone speaker, it sounded like a weird uh, audio glitch or something where the audio clipped real hard. Yeah. Um, right before, it, it's it's in a, a few seconds before, um, you go to you go to dunker yeah and um so i thought oh that's weird and i brought it down to the edit station i pulled the video in and and i started trying to mess with the audio to try to isolate some of the um noise because there's you know there's a river there are like uh um, cicadas or crickets and that kind of thing so i'm trying to like denoise it a little bit and see what it what that noise is and i can't like it's, it's clear that it's something and it's just a real short, like uh, screech kind of sound. And I sent it to you guys. And uh, I was wondering if like, you know, there were kids playing or something that would cause that kind of noise there that day. Cause at this point I hadn't been to that park. I didn't know what it looked like. Yeah. And um, yeah. And it didn't seem like you, there was, anything that makes that noise there or plausibly could have, and you didn't remember uh, that noise being made while you were there. Yeah. And so that became kind of, at that point I was like, okay, let's like, I want to go back and talk to Kristen's mom and I want to see if um, anyone who was there basically remembered a noise that would explain that. Or if we're looking at like a genuine, uh, weird noise like a, an, an yeah. electronic voice phenomenon or something um so that's what led to coming back uh because now it was kind of like it's not just these people telling stories now there's there's something that seems weird about the uh existing like physical evidence of it yeah and uh yeah and we came back down and we can if you want, we can get into some of the stuff we did like the first couple of days, but um, the first night there, we all kind of uh, around a campfire. It was um, myself and uh, another cameraman and Misty and Derek and uh, Kristen's friend, Darian and her husband. And anyway, we we're at a campfire just kind of, I wanted to play that noise for everyone and see if there was an explanation. And then, um, kind of talk to them about what they remembered of it uh i was actually there at that fire that night yeah and, yeah like it was something to me that i had like it was it was strange to me because like in the moment like i don't recall like hearing anything like that you know what i mean so it was yeah to all of us it was something that was stood out as strange yeah everyone reacted uh pretty weird to it um, Kristen was 
unable to hear it at first until I really like isolated it and looped that little section of it. And once she heard it, um, she said that it was familiar, that it was a sound that she had heard before, a voice that she had heard before. And that uh, struck me as odd. Yeah. Um, but then uh, it was also real similar to a noise. I don't know if you remember, but Misty told the story of, Josh, you were on the phone with Derek um, while I think you were chatting with Richie yeah. on Messenger. Yeah. You guys want to tell that? Yeah. So I was on the phone with Derek and Misty, which I talked to Derek on the phone frequently. He's one of the leaders in our church. I was also talking with Richie at the same time on Messenger. So I like, you know, I had him, like I had Derek on speaker. And then as I got him on speaker, I'm swiping, you know, between that call to, you know, texting with Richie. And at the same exact time, there was this across all three locations, my location, Derek's location, Richie's location. There was like this synchronized noise, uh, like, like kaboom that happens out on Derek's porch. And then like something that happens, you know, at our house like that too. And then also in Richie's house too. Um, and well, like, Misty talks about it being uh, similar to the sound on the recording. That's she right. About, she thought it was a, a cat or something being attacked on the porch. Yeah. She was certain that their cat had been like attacked by some kind of animal. And Derek's got me on video while this is all happening. And like, he's got his camera out there. And I was actually outside too, where we were at looking around for stuff because like similar stuff and he's looking and they're like, there's nothing there. And then there's nothing there on my end. And then on Richie's end, there's nothing there on right. his end. And so just weird synchronized strangeness, like in three different locations at the same time. So, yeah. I, and what's weirder about that, yeah. about the fact that there's synchronicity, uh, when I didn't find this out until I got the footage back, but when I'm shooting video of Darian listening to the baptism video, the section you can kind of hear um, the audio from the headphones through the, the shotgun mic on the camera. You can, so you know kind of where in the video she is and she also reacts to it so you can see where she hears it. But in the space where that noise occurs, on the audio track from the camera, uh, there's like, there's it, it's similar noise, but it's longer. Yeah. So it's not just, it, it doesn't make sense to me that it's just the noise from the video playing through the headphones being picked up through the mic because it's, that noise is like six or seven frames. Whereas the noise that the shotgun picks up is like 16 or 20 or something. Like it's significantly longer. Um, fascinating yeah and I don't like I don't know it's possible that it's something else making that noise it was just it stood out to me as a weird thing like the same night that we're talking about these like this noise playing different places when we're talking about it yeah well so we also found out and you can talk you can speak to more to this word that whenever um, Heather and, and others started being interviewed um, that Heather had witnessed something like this before. Like Kristen 
like the, the stuff that she talks about on camera with, you know, Kristen the night before her baptism and voices and, you know, things coming out of her and the strange behavior. Like she's very clear in the film that she's seen this type of thing before, right? Yeah. So she makes reference to it a couple times before she explains what she's talking about. Yeah. But um, I think at one point, so it was two days later, I think after the campfire, um, we finally got Heather to come sit down and it's just everyone there in the kitchen. And yeah. um, I think you're there for this too. Yeah, I was there for that one too. Yep. And um, you know, like every night, it's funny, every night I'm sending like uh Richie the notes from like what happened that day and like getting his thoughts on it um but anyway so it's like I think it's Wednesday and um Derek I think asks Heather Kristen's mom if she thought Kristen was possessed and Heather said something to the effect of yeah she was I know I've seen it before yeah and then um and all of us are like wait what (laughs) right uh and so she goes on to explain that um so Kristen's uncle uh craig had when heather was very young um i want to say like five to seven somewhere in there uh had practiced witchcraft with um his brother uh one of his brothers Bob and um this uh transvestite witch that would come practice with them and we had her trying to like describe you know what she remembers of of the rituals themselves of those meetings yeah and it's um it's again it's very eclectic at least it wasn't anything that I could recognize um or like using anyway um and apparently Craig had begun to exhibit some of the symptoms that Kristen had in the run-up to her baptism. Things like uh, wanting to be isolated, blacking out the windows, um, it barely, like coming out just for food of his room. And um, at one point, uh, Heather's sister, Rhonda, who's a little older, I think, um, asked her mom if she could have her pastor come talk to Craig. The pastor comes and uh, he basically concludes Craig is beyond my help, but I have a brother who's also a minister who performs exorcisms and that's what Craig needs. And so they, they do that. And um, in the exorcism performed on Craig, uh, Craig did not want to be called Craig. Um, well, I didn't this know is, that. Yeah. Um, Heather didn't remember if there was a name, but she did remember that he didn't want to be called Craig. And um, this is, this is, you know, this is crazy, but, and Heather prefaced it with, I know this sounds crazy, but this is what happened. And um, there's corroboration for her story here that, um, during that exorcism, Craig admitted to having hidden a machete and planning yep. on um, doing violence to the people in, in the house. Yeah. And um, 
they had him committed at that point uh, to Cabell Huntington, I think, the psych ward, where he was diagnosed uh, paranoid schizophrenic. Uh, but sure enough, there was a, a machete under the bed. Um, and that wasn't the only time that that um, kind of thing happened. When, when Craig came back later, uh, there was a similar instance where he started showing the same symptoms. Um, Rhonda had gone into his room, I think, to talk to him, and Craig had uh, trapped her in the closet in that room um, with a, I think, a fireplace poker and ended up um, in a fight with one of his brothers kind of through the house and out onto the lawn where they had police come arrest him and stuff, and the same thing, taken to... Um, they said it took you know multiple police to, to get him in the car and um he was talking about uh how he's going to kill the neighbors and stuff while he was outside so wow. similar thing and um maybe we can get into it in the uh in the uh the overtime or whatever you guys call the overtime bit yeah but we actually ended up going to that house and um that was a whole a bunch of wildness in itself but um yeah so anyway long story short er uh heather recognized what was going on with Kristen right. as a continuation of a pattern that she had seen in craig um and when we played uh i played the the evp for heather as well or what we think is i don't know what i tentatively am concluding as an evp that uh, she said that she had heard that voice uh, before calling Kristen's name, like yeah. before her baptism. Yeah. And that um, the noises that Heather heard Kristen making the nights, the like couple nights prior to her baptism, yeah. um, were the same noises that she had heard Craig make uh, in those episodes. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I remember her saying that and just being floored by that. Like, because like she basically like confirms like, yeah, I've seen all of this before. I saw it in my brother. It was the exact same thing. And so, yeah, so that's, I, I remember really being kind of shaken and shocked by that in some ways. So, um, yeah. So, all right. So let's talk about how maybe Kristen's case fits into just a larger type of story, right? Um, so this will probably be our concluding section for this episode. Uh, if you guys are wanting more of this, let us know. We can do a follow-up episode. We've got plenty more stuff that we could dig into. Um, but so we're, what we're going to try to do now is try to draw some conclusions, right, about what Kristen was doing in her practices, like what kind of beings it was that she was invoking in her practice um, and kind of just start to draw some conclusions and then, you know, kind of see what happens from there. And then after that, we'll go to our uncut section and, and talk about some more of this stuff. But Ward, what do you think? Um, Kristen, I think, has spoke to you uh, probably more than anybody about her practice. Like, does she mention like any spiritual beings that she was by name invoking? Does she remember any of that? But like, yeah, could you could you just kind of fill us in on yeah. some of that? Yeah. So, um, 
we didn't really I think that uh, I think that the thing that has been interacting with her and her family is at the least behaving according to an archetype that has a name yeah and you know we the three of us uh i think came to that conclusion toward the end of that week that we were shooting um because of a lot of uh synchronicities and then taking sort of our experiences that not just Kristen and her family but the rest of us uh to a, a much lesser degree started kind of um, experiencing or seeing um, and taking those indicators back to scripture and this thing, you know, has a name in scripture. So, um, and like time would fail us if we tried to go through all of those synchronicities, but basically, yeah. Yeah. and this is, uh, this is another, an interesting point that you guys, could talk about in us sort of coming full circle and coming back to talk about this a year later because there's been a lot of uh, synchronicity type activity um, type stuff going on here uh, as we come back to talk about it that points in the same direction. But um, yeah, so Kristen uh, consciously um, paid homage or worship to uh, the night goddess who goes by different names, but the name that, one of the names that she used um, is Lilith. Yeah. So um, Kristen had uh, like consciously conjured um, this being and worked with her um, using her, her sigils and and all of it um and we didn't find that out until sort of toward the end of the week but a lot of stuff started like fell into place once there was a name a lot of stuff started to make sense and then it was just like every time there was another uh piece that fell into place it it got to the point where it was like well of course so an example of that is kind of like Kristen had uh, months, maybe maybe a year prior, had bought her mother, uh, Heather, who was a Christian, had bought her mother a pendant to hang from a rearview mirror that had written on it a phrase from Psalm 91 and the reference Psalm 91 and some feathers. And uh, so Heather had just had this for a while. Yeah. Um, Kristen... It was, I believe, the night or two nights prior to, it might have been the night of the campfire. I could be wrong about that, but she had, she told us about a nightmare that she had where um, this thing, which she characterized as female, um, had essentially told her, like, uh, the baptism isn't enough. Like, uh, we're not going anywhere. Yeah. And when she told us about that nightmare, um, I had just read uh, Michael Heiser Facebook post wherein he was talking about Psalm 91 and um, not with reference to any particular entity, but he had just been talking about it. And so I posted a section of that to her as an encouragement. 
And then I think later in that day, you, unknowing any of that, posted something about Psalm 91 uh, from your feed, Josh. Yeah. And then, uh, so we get to, we're having this conversation with Heather and everyone around the table and um, Kristen started talking about how she'd had these odd experiences with owls and Heather had witnessed Kristen like approach an owl close enough to touch it that was on the ground next to her apartment. Um, and there was a bunch of other odd owl related stuff like um, one of Heather's brothers, I believe Dan had been hunting and unbe unconnected to any of this, like not knowing that owls were a thing, had had an experience with an owl looking at him where he shot cell phone video of it. He was in the woods hunting. He felt like he was being watched. He threw his rifle scope up toward what he thought um, was, where he thought he was being watched from and there was an owl. Yeah. Um, and he's got cell phone video of that. And so all of it um, started to point toward uh, this Lilith thing. And then when we discover the Psalm 91 sort of synchronicity, uh, Psalm 91, it's generally agreed that uh, terror of the night in Psalm 91 is an idiomatic reference to Lilith or Lilu yeah. or Lilitu, the... Um, that demon. Yeah, it's the same, so, it's similar to the Isaiah passage where it talks about the night bird or the night owl, right? Right. Yeah. Same, same connected thematically. Yeah. And, um, and then like at the end of the week, when we discover that the, the transvestite witch that had been practicing with Craig and Bob in like the eighties, uh, demanded to be referred to as Lilith. Um, it starts to like, okay, at this point, it's kind of, of course, that's the case. Right. But the stuff, I mean, the, it gets, you know, uh, even a few months ago, I discovered that the night. I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> no, I didn't know that. The day that we ended up going to the house in man, where Craig's second exorcism experience was, um, that, that day was the uh, lunar apogee for that month, which is referred to in, I, I think, based on the research that I did, is referred to as the Black Moon Lilith for that month. So, you know, there's all of these things um, together indicating this pattern. And I, like, I think the three of us figuring it out uh, pretty much every night, um, trying to figure it out, um, it became pretty clear. But, yeah. So yep. she, she's invoking spiritual beings, right? Known, known spiritual beings. And she experiences possession by them, right? So, I mean, that's not that, it's not that strange, I don't think. You know what I mean? Like, you're worshiping. I mean, it's like going to knock on somebody's door and being surprised that they answered. Right. That's That's exactly right. It's like, I mean, I, I'm looking right here, right now, at uh, Dr. Walter Martin's uh, Kingdom of the Occult. I have it here. And the interesting thing about it is he has a chapter in it called Witchcraft, Wicca, and Goddess Worship. 
So, you know, even Dr. Walter Martin is connecting <clears throat> to witchcraft and Wicca goddess worship. Now, obviously, who is this goddess? Well, she goes by different names, but ultimately, it's this same Lilith character, right? And so it shouldn't be that astounding to people that you can invoke the name of a spiritual right. being and they show up. That's how the world works. I mean, metaphysically, that's how things work. So yeah, like it, I, I, like I, I'm just throwing that out there in case people think that like, wow, that's a, that's a Mesopotamian, yeah. you know, uh, goddess, you know, from another religion, you know, demoness, that kind of thing. Well, that's how the world works, man. Like you invoke the name of a spiritual being and they're not like you and I, right? Like we're bound by location. They, they are not. So yeah, shouldn't be that shocking. Okay. And, um, all right, guys, well, that about wraps up today's episode of the sword and staff. I know that there's so much more to talk about. We definitely need to do a part two. Yeah. We'll probably end up doing a part two to this, but because of time restraints and all the things that come with that, that's all that we've got for today. So um, if you guys want more of this conversation, now we are going to continue on. We're going to do an uncut portion. And so if you're wanting more of that, head on over to our Patreon at www.patreon.com backslash sword and staff order. For just $5 a month, you can get the sword and staff uncut. You'll be able to get our whole library of uncut episodes that we've done so far and you'll get to hear the conversation that we have continuing on with Ward here today about Dark Hollers. So if you're interested in that, become a patron, support us with just $5 a month, and yeah, you'll get all of the, the rest of this conversation. So you know you want it, so go and get it. <laughs> so, well, Ward, thank you so much for coming on today and talking about this with us today. I feel like that we covered a lot of ground in this case. Like I said, we'll probably do another we're episode. Yeah, we're really just getting started on a lot of this stuff. So we'll do another episode at some point. And uh, yeah, we'll dive a little bit further into the world of Dark Hollers. So thank you so much, my friend, for coming on. And we really appreciate it. Oh, thank you, guys. It's been a blast. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you next week. See you then. Um.